0: We serve a good God, don't we? Let's pray together. Father, this morning, we come before you. We have sung of your love and your faithfulness. We have marveled at how you come after us, even when we are not coming after you. And I pray right now, Father, that your goodness will be running after every single one of us as we know your heart is to do. Maybe some of us, don't even realize that your goodness has been coming after us to get us, to pull us back into life and hope and healing, but you're coming after us. So Father, I'm asking that you would open our eyes to see your goodness in our lives, in my life, not just your goodness around me and in other people, your goodness to me. For those of us who are your children, it should be easy. Sometimes it isn't. So right now, if we're struggling with seeing your love and your goodness by the power of your spirit, help us to see it. Help it to sink down deep into our soul. For those of us, Father, who maybe don't know you or are far away from you, we've turned our back or we've never turned towards you, I believe right now your love is coming after us so that we will be yours pray that you would help us to respond in faith to this life-giving love. And this week, Father, this week of VBS is a reflection of the goodness of God in our church and in our lives. The offer of salvation that you bring to every soul that will turn to you, no matter how messed up, no matter how broken, no matter how lost, your offer of forgiveness and healing and life and peace and hope This week is a reflection of that. So, Father, pour out your love through your people this week. As we open VBS this morning with the service, I pray, Father, that your goodness will be running after families and homes and children. I pray that your goodness will be established and reflected in the lives of your people that we father will be able to say that this is all about the goodness of god that we are singing about the goodness of god with our lives and with our mouths and with our actions and with our hearts and with the way that we serve and with the way that we care we are singing because our god is good and this world needs to know it and we want to share it so father pour out your power pour out your love may your presence be very real in this place through this week empower our workers gather those who need to come, children and and families that need to be connected through this thing to your goodness. Father, we pray that you would do this work. So we give this to you. Put this in your hands. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Have a seat this morning. And I want to take a moment and welcome you. It is good to be together. It is good to worship together. It is good to sing about the goodness of Of God together. And uh, those joining us online, welcome to you as well. I just want to say if this is your first time or one of your first times, but you haven't checked in with us, please do so uh, this morning. Back here is our guest center. We would love for you uh, to make your way back there and to be Uh, to check in with us. We have a gift for you to let us know how we can pray for you. So do that this morning before you leave. We would greatly, greatly appreciate it. We are really excited about this week. So much time and effort and planning has gone in to getting ready for this week, but it pales in comparison to what God is about to do. And all those of you in the blue shirts, I know you're kind of like vibrating with anticipation for how good this week is going to be. So, This is a moment to say, make sure that you get everybody who needs to come and be a part of this to come and be a part of this. Make sure you've got them registered. Make sure you know the times and the details. Make sure you have them here. And in case walking in to a treasure hunt didn't convince you, we want to give you a little taste about what this is going to be like this week. So we want to show you a short video about VBS and what's coming up this week for us. So let's watch this together.
1: Get ready! I am a priceless treasure. God knows me, God hears me, God is my comfort. To embark
0: on an epic quest.
1: There's nothing better, forgiven and chosen forever.
0: And discover God's greatest treasure.
1: Hey, who's excited for VBS? Yes! Make some noise, right? It's so exciting. I'm so ready for this week. I can't wait to finish up doing what we're going to be doing after church today. I just want to say again, thank you so much to all the volunteers who are coming out on Tuesdays to help make decorations, especially because I've heard at least like 10 people told me, "Man, when I was painting it and carving it, I thought, this looks weird, what is this? I don't even know why he's asking me to do this. Thank you for doing things, even though you didn't know if I was asking you to do something that was good. (laughs) Just do it, and and, and trust, and, and it works, and that's awesome. You're so willing to do that. I'm so thankful for how quickly we could put things together like this, and just all the resources that everybody was willing to put in. So clap again for the volunteers. Thank you so much. We are starting. Tomorrow, vacation Bible
2: Tomorrow, oh we're having this vacation oh Bible school, and what? This. Oh. Ho, ho, ho. Excuse me. Yes. Miss. This. This Excuse is me. it. Miss. This. This. Miss. Ah. Uh, yeah, Miss. What are you doing on my stage? Miss, it's Doctor to you.
1: Oh, okay. One of those. Uh, doctor. What are you doing on my stage?
2: Well, I am Dr. Digging Stone, professional of all sciencey things, and treasure hunter.
1: Oh, treasure hunter. So you're here because of um, all this.
2: Well, yes, I've been led to this particular stage. In this particular church, on this particular day, because of things only I understand.
1: Um well, we've got lots of treasure for you to find. This week, all you have to do, you're going to have to actually come to the VBS every day, though, if you want to find it.
2: That's not usually how I do things, but my treasure hunting tools have told me that right in this church, it's the most valuable treasure that any sciencey person or treasure hunter could ever want to find. Mm,
1: Well, I think that I can help you find it. And I'm certain I have a bunch of tiny people who can help you find it as well.
2: I don't see them. Where are they? Do we have any treasure Uh, hunters out there? Any? Yeah? Oh, I see many energetic treasure hunters in our audience here. Well, well, I guess I'll come back if that's how we do things here.
1: Yeah, that's how we're going to do it.
2: See you tomorrow.
1: See you tomorrow.
2: (laughs) So we're excited. We're going to start our
1: treasure hunt in our ruins tomorrow. But we're also excited for something that we do every Sunday morning for elementary, which is the Go Zone. And so I'm going to head out this door and anybody who's usually in the Go Zone of elementary age or anybody who's here for the first time and has never been and would like to follow the man off the stage and through that door, then we're going to go to the Go Zone and we're going to watch this and So show and we're going to do it up in there. So come on with me. Thank you. <laughs>
0: From now on, I'm calling Ryan the man. That is the title that we're going to use. Uh, it is going to be an exciting week, and uh, I, I think there's just there's anticipation because we know that God does great things and good things during the week of VBS. So we're excited about that. I want to say one thing before we dive into our topic for today, which is that VBS and church picnic happen out here on the field on the side. Um, Some of you know, and some of you are newer and maybe don't know this, so I'm going to, this is informational for all of us as part of the church so that we can be helpful. We have a healthy colony of cicada killers that fly around out here. They are essentially monster bees that look like they could carry you off alive. Yes, we have testimony, okay? Uh, We have treated for them a couple times already in this month. And they are still kind of buzzing around or whatever. So here's the deal. They are essentially harmless. They don't look harmless. They look, you know, like tragedy about to happen. But they don't ever, almost ever sting. And they just... So when you see... I'm saying this to you guys as like to be helpful because kids might get freaked out and parents might get freaked out. We've done what we can. But the other part is to say they don't come after you. They're not... They're not they, all, they will... Like, the males never sting, and the females only sting if you, like, sit on them. So it's, it's like you have to do a lot for anything to happen. So just kind of tell the kids, leave them alone, and they're fine. And tell the parents, we've dealt with them, and they're fine. They're not going to be anything, because that might help us get through the week um, being a little bit more on point, okay? All right, today we are going to get back to talking about the things that make us who we are as a church, remembering who we are, we're about halfway through this series. And as we go through this series, the reason that we are talking about this stuff, and I just felt like this is a moment to say this the reason we're talking about this stuff is not just so that we can have something to talk about on Sunday morning. The idea is that this stuff is supposed to be helping us. It's supposed to help us get our minds clear and get our souls clear so that we can do the things and, and step into the life that we have. So over the course of time, as we've talked about these things, I'm hoping that the the basic choices and some of the basic realities that we're doing as a church help us to get back on track. Because being off track is one of the like worst feelings, one of the most hopeless feelings. A lot of effort, a lot of energy, doesn't go anywhere. Uh, When I was a kid, my dad had a train set that went around our Christmas tree. Anybody have a train set around your Christmas tree? Like that's an old school thing, right? Well, this was super old school. This was like 60s train, you know, like just, just really a, a big bulky uh, silver line thing or whatever. And I remember the first time my dad took it out and I realized what was about to happen is there was going to be a functioning train that could circle the bottom of our Christmas tree. I thought this is going to be the best Christmas ever. And we built little houses and there were like train stops. And, you know, I had like in my five-year-old head, I had like visions of just playing all night long with, like, stopping at the train station, whatever. And all of that vanished very quickly when I realized that the train could not stay on the track. Nothing more useless than a train that's not on the track. Well, let me, let me rephrase that. The train couldn't stay on the track at full speed. I think that goes without saying, though, right? If you're a five-year-old boy, there's only one speed for the train. So yeah, my brother and I were fighting over who was going to turn the train on. And of course I won because I'm the older brother. So immediately it went to full speed, hit the first curve, boom, it goes off. And my brother says to me, as all good younger brothers say, you're not doing it right. Let me do it. So we put the train back on and he did the exact same thing. And it fell off. And I think it took us about five minutes to say, this is a useless train. We're not playing with it. Because once it gets off the track, It doesn't matter how much effort or energy, how much is expended, how much motion there is, it doesn't go anywhere. It just sits there and spins. It feels useless to those who want to play with it. I'm saying to us as a church, what I don't want us to be is off track. And I hope that both personally and collectively, we're finding the way back to being on track after a lot of unsettledness and uncertainty, finding our way back to some simple truths. We started by talking about, listen, if you're feeling empty, if you're feeling pointless, if you're feeling lost, there are some simple things we do together as a church that get us on track. They are they seem small and they may seem like they're disconnected, but showing up, gathering, giving to the church, and and serving, these are simple realities that are that help you get on track as a believer and help us stay on track as a church. The next week we talked about if you're feeling frustrated, worried, overwhelmed with anxiety about people, about things that could happen in your life, about choices other people make, maybe we need to take a moment and check whether I think I'm a good pinch hitter for the Holy Spirit. And maybe I need to reevaluate whether or not I actually believe I am. Then we also talked about if you're just feeling discouraged or you're feeling like you don't know the point, you don't know where this is all going, you don't know if you're making any progress, we talked about how our calling is to follow Jesus eagerly, even when following Jesus means taking up your cross and suffering with Him. And that helps us remember that our life is not about this world and about our comfort in this world. It's about following someone who laid down comfort in this world for eternal purpose and eternal good. Last week, we talked about sharing Jesus. And I believe that even as we talk about sharing Jesus, it can begin to inform how you talk about things that you talk about to other people what matters for you to talk about and what doesn't matter for you to talk about. You can have an opinion on anything you want to have an opinion on, but if part of my goal is to share Jesus, it should influence what comes out of my mouth and what doesn't come out of my mouth and how it comes out of my mouth. Our challenge first for this month talks about our speech being seasoned with grace. I think that's something that is very connected to sharing Jesus. And that's what we're going to do this week. So I wanted to to launch this week by talking about one other basic thing that isn't a surprise to anyone, but it's this. We believe as a church that it's worth it to love people like crazy. I know this world has all kinds of discussion about love. They think they get it. They think they know it. They think it justifies some of the choices they make. But I'm saying that as people of God, people who know our Creator, we should know what love is and we should love that's in a way that seems a little crazy to our flesh and to the world around us. Can you imagine if our church really, if every single one of us was able to love people like crazy, what impact that would have? If we were able to get out of our own way And allow the love of God to flow through us. I think maybe one of the the, the best moments we have during the year is this week coming up where we do that. That's why I wanted to talk about it today. Because loving people like crazy has an impact on us, first of all. It sets our heart in a place of life and hope and purpose. It sets our eyes on eternity and takes our eyes off of the here and now. And then it spills out and it has an impact on those who are discouraged, those who are ready to give up, those who feel full of shame and guilt, those who feel that they are in chains, they are bound to to hurts and wounds or addictions. Loving people like crazy has the most impact of anything that we could choose to do. But it is intimidating. Loving people like crazy. I would like to love people in moments. Manageable, bite-sized moments. Right? Limits. But is that what love is? I mean, am I supposed to love like crazy? Is that what this is all about? Or am I supposed to portion it out to people that I like? People who make me happy? People who deserve my love and my concern? People who can give me something in return for my love and concern? Love, in our world's context, often means all of those other things. Love in the context of being a believer means none of those things. It means loving people who are unlovable, just like I was unlovable when God loved me. Loving people is something that is core to who we are, and I pray it will always be something core to who we are. So I'm going to take you through some verses today. I'm not going to share anything new with you, but I hope to remind us as we launch into a week of serving and loving people that this is the thing. This is not a thing. This is the main thing, and those words come from our Savior, Jesus Himself, that we are people who are to love others. So let me just remind you by looking at some passages. Mark chapter 12, verse 29 to 31. Jesus is answering someone who says to him, tell me about the greatest commandment. What's the greatest commandment? What should we do? So Mark chapter 12, verse 29 says this. The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no command greater than these. Loving is the greatest command. Love God with everything you got and love your neighbor like you love yourself. Both of those are crazy. Love someone you can't see. Love someone you don't hear. Love someone that you have to believe in in order for him to to be in your life. That sounds crazy to our human flesh. And love someone else like you love yourself. Love your neighbor. And that's not neighbor like the one who lives next door to you. That's like your neighbor. Whoever you come into contact with is part of your community. This is not the only time we hear this idea. Jesus made it a regular part of what he said to people. As a matter of fact, the night before he died, he's sitting with his disciples at the Last Supper around the table and he says to this, I want to give you a new command. I want to give you one command. And he says this, a new command I give you. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, as as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. The implication is that we are to love, that that is our earmark, that that is our fingerprint, that that is to be the touchstone of who we are as believers, that we love one another. And we do it as Jesus did for us. So it asks us, if we want to know what love is, it asks us to know how Jesus loved One of the things we find out from Jesus is that loving people is not just about loving people that we like. In Matthew chapter 5.44, He says in the Sermon on the Mount, Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Wait, this is hard. Wait, maybe love is not about a feeling. Maybe love is not about ease. Maybe love is not about warmth and big smiles. Maybe love is something different. We need to embrace loving people. Paul says in Romans 13 that the whole law is summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. James says the same thing in James 2. If you keep the royal law, love your neighbor as yourself, you keep the whole law. not saying that when we hear that, some of what happens inside of us is like, well, that's impossible. I can't do that. There's so many people, there's so many lost people, there's too much to care about, I can't care about all of it, so we start to wave the white flag and back up. We can't actively, purposefully be loving everyone all the time. We can't do it, it's not humanly possible. But the point is, we should be people who are loving people consistently, regularly we're going to talk about what love is, but before we talk about what love is, let's talk about, again, how important this is. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, this is, that's the chapter on love that I read at weddings all the time. Love is patient, love is kind. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul says this about love. This is how important love is. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, if I could speak all the languages of the world in an instant, no studying, I could just, all of a sudden I could speak German, I could speak French, and I could speak Russian, and I could, like, I could just speak all Portuguese, any, any language, I could just speak it. That's a miracle that would marvel people. Paul says it's, it's as irritating, as useless, and as empty as a resounding gong. Or a clanging cymbal. Didn't come off very well, right? He keeps going. He says, If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am pretty good. Oh, that's not what it says. Nothing. This is a very stark line in the sand. If I give all that I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. What Paul says is this, if you do all the spiritual stuff, if you know all the right stuff to say, if you have a faith that can do miracles and pick up a mountain and move it, if you know everything in the whole world, you can understand all mysteries and knowledge. But without love, it is completely empty. It is completely useless. It does nothing of value. I would say love is pretty basic and essential, wouldn't you? So how much time have you spent in prayer this week saying, God, show me how to love? I mean, if it's that essential, we've said, God, please help me pay my bills. God, please help me figure this out. God, please change that person. We've said all kinds of things. But if love is that essential, without it, I am nothing and I gain nothing. And then we wonder why we feel like nothing and we feel like we're gaining nothing. Could it be that love is missing? Or misunderstood, that we don't get what love is. So what is love? I think that's where we start to lose our grip. What do I do? I don't know. Am I supposed to do everything all the time? I want to be loving. I want to think that I'm loving. But how do I love, like, my enemies? And I don't know what to do about that. Where do we start? So that's what I want to talk about next. Because love is more than what you naturally think when you hear the word love. Love is not some abstract concept of concern, some generalized fondness, some warm feelings. I I like people that I haven't met. That's not love. Love is, first of all, love is up close and personal. Love is gritty. Love is like, here I am, you're in front of me. I have to love you. It's actually a lot more convenient to love theoretical people. people that you don't have to deal with, you don't have to meet, someone that you love by putting a comment on a, on a post somewhere and you've loved them and that's it and you're done. Or, or, or you've shared a meme that shows that you care about a cause or a purpose. I love them, okay, I'm done. We gravitate towards theoretical love instead of real love because disembodied love feels easy. Yes, I have warm, fond feelings for them. But love is not disembodied. Love is about physical presence. Too often, churches get really good at loving theoretical people instead of real people. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but I've, I've, I've thought this through a bunch of times because people will be like, yeah, but what about the person who comes in for their first time and, and we know what they think already before they show up. Did you know that? They're going to want blah blah blah. They're going to want, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with with theorizing, but I'm saying it's easier for me to respond in making choices to the theoretical person who thinks the way that I say they should think, versus the actual person in church that's there serving and's got some criticism or complaint about what's going on, and it's like, please stop. I don't want to hear from you anymore. We do it all the time. The theoretical person that I would love if I had to come in contact with them, how would I love them versus the people that are right in front of me? How do I serve them? The person. Currently in front of you is the person you are called to love. The target of our love is whoever I am interacting with. If I am called to love, then the people that God bumps me into during the week, those are the people I am called to love. And what does that mean? It doesn't mean that I change their life. But it means that my heart is in a posture that is available to be for them and to be used by God to pour His love out on them anytime God has that prompting. Second thing I want to say about love. Love must be sincere, sacrificial, and sustained. Sincere, sacrificial, and sustained. Let's talk about sincere first. Love is not about doing something and resenting the person while you're doing it. Love is not about doing something because they can do something back for you. Love is not doing something because you're worried about what everybody's going to think about you if you don't do it. Love is something that comes from your soul. Now, I want to say this about sincere because today we get confused. We think sincerity has to do with your feelings. Sincerity is not about your feelings. It's not about your emotional makeup or your emotional state. Sincerity is about your core beliefs. Okay, So like people come into church and I didn't feel like worshiping today. I didn't like that song, so I just sat here or whatever. We're not asking how you feel. Sincerity is not about how you feel. It's about what you believe down in the depths of your soul. You don't believe me. You don't. You don't think that's true. Well, let me let me just give you an example. Has anyone here ever had a baby that you had to get up in the middle of the night for? Anybody? Okay. Now, when you did, let's think back to that moment because we had a couple. We have a couple parents here who are doing that right now. So I don't. I don't mean to like add fuel to the fire, but most of us can identify, right? Uh, no salt to the wound. We're just gonna. Be, we're gonna be kind. But, do, did you feel emotionally? Like getting up to go be with that child at 2 a.m. I'll give you time. You can think about it. No. But did you say, well, I'm just going to lay here in bed because I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to be insincere. I don't. We don't think of that as insincere. We think of it as love because it comes from the core of like I've got to be there for my child. I don't feel like it, but I believe in it and I know it's right and I know it's true, so I'm gonna go do it, right? Love is sincere. It doesn't mean I'm like, la, 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 you're a wonderful person, but it means I choose this because I believe in this eternally, right? Love must be sacrificial, it must give. It must take me out of the center of my life and give to other people. It must lose what I might want to keep for myself to my own advantage and give to the needs of others. Love must be sacrificial and love must be sustained. It is not something that can come and go. When I do a marriage, I'm not like, you know, hey, listen, you guys can love each other for however long you want, you know, if it's like three minutes, you know, if you're like having a fight as you walk down the aisle, then so you can be done. No, the the vows are like this. I will love you no matter what. Richer, poor, sickness, health. The earth opens up, the sky falls. I don't care what happens. As long as it's you and me, I'm gonna love you until one of us isn't here anymore. Love must endure. It must be sustained. And so love can't be something that we turn on and we turn off. Not if we wanna do it like we've been called to do it. And not if we wanna receive the life-giving feel of of, of our soul that God wants to give us as we love people. There is life in this for us. In order for it to be that, and in recognition of the fact that we are human beings who are selfish and self-centered, we have to, I believe, we have to find ways to put into practice loving things on a regular basis. In other words, if you're just walking around all the time like, I think I'm going to try to be loving this week. I'm going to try to 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 be loving. Let's see what happens. That's fine and that's good, but you're not going to be very good at it. You know when you get good at love? When you practice it. When you put things into your week that turn your attention away from you, that ask you to give instead of receive, and that you do on a regular basis. It doesn't have to be a big thing, but it's a practical thing. It's one of the functions of church. We get together and we serve one another. You take up a serving role, it puts your soul in a posture of practicing this love for other people. We're gonna do it all week. And some of you know this because you've done this before and some of you maybe this is your first time volunteering. But this week as you show up and love Whoever's in front of you, your kids or the other workers or whatever, you're going to do it all week long. You're going to come out of this week in a better position in your soul than you did coming into this week. Because why? Because you practiced it every day, intentionally, on purpose. You don't just flip a switch. Well, God called me to love, so it must be in there somewhere. You say, I value that, so I'm going to do that, and I'm going to pattern it into my life. You have to choose it. It doesn't just fall into your lap. Because it isn't natural. You don't drift into it. It certainly isn't convenient, so we choose it. So love must be sustained, sacrificial, and sincere. Third thing I want to say about love is that it is a response to to a love we received and a following of the one who gave it to us. So I want to look at the love of God quickly and how this love that we're talking about comes from him and is reflected by what we just talked about through our lives. In John chapter 3 verse 16, very famous verse, very familiar verse, it says God loved the world and he gave. He gave. It is sacrificial. And when I say sacrificial, I'm not he didn't give, he didn't give like we would give. There are people who are like, well, I'm not using this anymore. Could you use it? I would throw it away, but can you have it instead? Or I'm done with it. I'm tired. That's not how God gave. What did God give? His son. It was sacrificial. It was intentional. It was sincere because he saw the need. He loved, so he gave. When I talk about love being up close and personal, Jesus didn't serve us in heaven. Instead, what Paul tells us in Philippians 2 is that he came here. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, down to verse 8. It starts off by saying this. In your relationships with one another. In your relationships with one another. We're talking about, we're going to take some truth. We're going to apply it to how we live with people. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. You see selflessness? Do you see the sacrificial? It's not about me. He's in heaven. He's in glory. He steps out of glory, and what does he do? He comes to earth. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. The Creator... Made as mortal, the infinite poured into the finite. Why? Because of love. Let this mind be in you as you are in your relationships. Let this way of thinking filter into your soul because he took on the form of man and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death. His love was sincere. His love was sacrificial and his love was sustained all the way to the cross. The writer of Hebrews talks about how up close and personal it is as he talks about how our Savior understands us and knows how to walk in our shoes. It says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, we don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. Why not? Because he lived this. He walked this. He has been tempted like we are in every way. He's walked through this life. He didn't have to, but he chose to be up close and with us in this. Peter tells us that our Savior stood in our place when the ultimate doom that was ours fell on him. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body. On the cross, He bore our sins. This is what we are following. When we talk about love like crazy, this is love like crazy. We sang this morning about the reckless love of God. And there are people who react to saying God is reckless. And I get it, but I think we're so so careful with like being word police, we miss the poetry of what's trying to be expressed. Did God love us like crazy? Yes. Is God crazy? Of course not. But the idea is... This makes no sense, humanly speaking. You know what I mean? This sacrifice makes... If you have a son, and someone says, give your son for this wicked person who hates you, that's nuts. Except God loves us like that. And when God loves us like that, and then He tells us to love like He loved us. So, good news for you. This kind of love primarily shows up very locally. In other words, your neighbor is someone who is really near you. We keep getting, and we got over the last year and a half, presented with all kinds of large-scale problems that we can't do anything about. And we've been told that if you love people, you'll this and this and this. And then we watch that this and this and this doesn't have any impact on that and that and that. And it can make you hopeless. It can make you frustrated. It can make you anxious. But the good news is this. Our calling is almost always right in front of me. The person that I'm supposed to love, the people I'm supposed to love, are the people who are living in front of me. And if you ever feel like I just can't find a way to love big enough, I want you to know that most of the calling to love is small, not large. Small actions, small steps that pile up in the lives of those we love over time. Simple things that Maybe it's not even remembered, but because I do it regularly, it has an impact over the course of time. So if you're a parent making lunch for your children every single day, how many times do your kids come home and thank you for the love that you showed by making their lunch? I think mine was zero. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? But is is there impact to the loving actions of sacrifice time and time and time again? Yes, that's what loving is. It's not about the spectacular. It's not about the spotlight. It's not about the glory. It's not about the big thing, the big story you can tell. It's about loving someone day in and day out. And in order for us to to love people like we are supposed to, I would say there are things we should include in our lives, things we need to regularly do, and things that need to go out of our lives. Let me just kind of think this out loud with you because you probably think of more than I can. Some intentional and regular things to do to keep our our souls in a healthy state of loving. First of all, remember the definitions of love in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. I mean, I'm not, but love is. So when I'm loving, one of the reflections of love is that I'm patient with people who are too slow, who keep making the same mistake over and over. I mean, parents, is this the definition of parenting? Love is patient with people who don't seem to get it, who can't seem to to break out of a, a hurtful cycle, people that I wish would get it. Love is patient. And if you don't know how love is patient, remember, love keeps no record of wrongs. That's how love is patient. Love doesn't boast. Love doesn't want the spotlight. Love's not about me, but instead, love is kind. Love is gentle. So can you be patient with people? Wait, I didn't know we were going to get into this patient stuff. I thought we were talking about love. It's practical. It's people in front of you. Love chooses kindness over all the options. It chooses kindness. Love is not easily angered. I'm not saying we do these things perfectly, but I'm saying they are the agenda that we set in front of us to say, this is what I want my life to be like towards people. Because this is my calling to love people. As a church, we have some small things that we regularly do that are meant to express love. We, we value a warm welcome. When people walk through the door, we have a greeter that says, good morning, I'm glad to see you, glad that you're here. Now, we could use some more greeters because, you know, we've kind of had a, a little bit short on that. But the idea is it matters to us when someone comes through the door, it's not like we're all over here talking like, who's that weirdo that just walked in? We don't want anything. We want them to know. We are glad you're here, right? Now, is that a big mountain moving thing? It's a simple act of intentional love. We make coffee. Go get a free cup of coffee. We'd love to have like simple things. We try to pick up so there's not a big bunch of trash on the, the way that we present things to people reflects love. When you walked in today, did you think that this week is going to matter? Right? Why? Because what you put out matters to people. So how we present ourselves, informally we do it all the time. If you're part of hope, I've encouraged you over and over again. Some of your action of love is to look around church and see people that you need to catch up with. Whether it's someone you haven't talked to for a while that you know, or someone you've been praying for that week, love to go to them. Or someone you've never met before, I don't know your name, and you go to them. Love goes to people. It's a simple, practical thing there are some things we need to make sure we do all the time then there are some things we need to stop doing and i would say the biggest one of them that that is excusable and normal that we do all the time is we have a narrative in our head about people that isn't loving it isn't gracious it isn't kind it's proud it's puffed up it's harsh you can't subsist on a diet of that conversation in your head, and love people. You can't. You have to choose one or the other. Over the past year, I've heard so many times that I'm going to love them by punching them in the face with truth. Well, they don't say that, but that's what they do, right? I'm going to love you. Loving people is telling them the truth. It's because we live in a world that gives us forceful declarations of truth, but those definitions of truth are wrong and lost. So how do we respond? Might I suggest that the key to us responding is not all of our proofs and all of our arguments, but that we do it in love that's actually love. Maybe that is why we feel like we're not getting anywhere. Speaking the truth is a part of love, but you cannot justify uncaring and unloving speech or unloving actions by saying, I love you enough to tell you the truth. You cannot both love someone and use truth to dismiss their feelings, their concerns, their experiences, their fears, their questions, their ideas. Don't care, don't care, don't care. Love you, don't care, don't care. Doesn't go together. If you're parenting, if you're actively parenting right now, I'll say this to you. You cannot love your child and dismiss what they have to say or what they think or what they feel. You can't. I'm not saying you embrace it and say, okay, let's go with that because that's ridiculous. But you have to care about their experience. You have to listen to them. You have to be up close and personal with them. You have to be patient with them. Let me just close kind of this way. We are called to love, and we believe love changes everything. Love fills up our whole experience and our whole um, service, all of our actions, with meaning and with purpose. So today, here's, as we launch into VBS Week, here's what I want us to ask. We follow one who showed us what it means to love Jesus. What would it mean for me to love like Jesus? If I read through the Gospels and as I think about stories, what would it mean for me to love like Jesus? Let that challenge you this week. Let that shape you and mold you. We want to reach people with what is saving love. We want to reach them with hope that is eternal. We want to reach people. But it always comes from a foundation of loving people first. You can't reach people if you don't love them. You can't win them if you don't love them. And if you don't love them, you don't even care if you win them. Practically in your life, is there somebody or are there some people that God is asking you to choose to love? That He's asking you to be open to His direction about what you should do or what you should stop doing towards them? Is there someone that God brought into your life to stretch your capacity to love. In a week where we're about to launch into loving like crazy through serving, I think it is the question that should drive everything we do this week. What does it mean to love like Jesus? And where am I supposed to do that now? Let's let God direct our steps this week and let's see God's power do incredible and amazing things through our week this week. Let's close this morning in a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your love for us. I pray, Father, that you would pour out your spirit, that you would use us, that, Father, even as we've talked this morning about something that seems so basic and simple, yet it is so powerful, and it gives so much direction to our lives as believers. Teach us to love. Help us, Father, to quiet the noise and the chaos of our lives and this world long enough and well enough to hear your voice that will instruct us maybe even putting a name in our heads and an action in our minds about what we should be doing instead of what we are doing maybe we need to go ask for forgiveness or maybe we need to offer forgiveness maybe we need to stop speaking so proud so assured of ourselves maybe we need to listen carefully. Maybe Father, love could change us completely. And I pray that you would do this work through the power of your word, through the work of your spirit, in the lives of every people. Fill this place this week with your love. Fill each person who is serving. Reach each child who is coming. Extend that reach into this community, into homes and families, as we share the love of Christ by serving by sacrificing, by doing it sincerely for our heart, by staying with you, Father, we give this week to you. Lord, it's in the name of Jesus' we.